All right, everyone, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Channel 42 podcast. I'm your co-host, Troy Martin, along with our two other co-hosts, Phil Morgan and Tor Olson. Uh, Channel 42 podcast focuses on IoT technologies as well as uh, security implications in our world and our technology devices. Uh, this week, uh, will be or because last week we talked a little bit about uh, usability and security, and this week we're going to follow on uh, talking about a little bit about CBRS, uh, and then we'll see uh, where that uh, leads us. Right. Uh, so, uh, at the uh, the conference earlier this year, when we were still attending conferences uh, at the WLPC conference, one of the deep dive sessions was a CBRS uh, overview uh, that was provided by uh, Andrew Van Nage over at uh, Salona. And so I attended that class, and one of the uh, the inclusions with that program was the the ability to challenge the CPI or the Certified Professional Installers uh, certification uh, to become a certified CBRS installer. And uh, so it's interesting uh, that CBRS has taken off, and it's providing a lot of uh, possibilities for connectivity for IoT devices. But the CBRS itself is it addresses just the it's just a, a frequency. It's not a specific uh, protocol or technology in and of itself. Um, it's just a finite uh, frequency range uh, that's available in the U.S. Uh, so it's not uh, not even a, a global term. Uh, th that frequency is available in different regions uh, globally, but the CBRS itself refers to the the U.S. band in the 3500 megahertz, right? So I, I took the certification, but it helps me have you know for for work and opportunities in the U.S. But being based in Canada, there's not much. Uh, going on for me uh, there. Uh, what about uh, Phil and Tor? Have you guys uh, seen much uh, development on the CBRS space? I haven't, outside of what you um, just mentioned. Tor, do you have any? No, I, I, I tended the same deep dive. Uh, pretty interesting, I would say. Um, situated in Europe, uh, there's not nothing uh, much there. Um, but um, as usual, we probably will have it uh, in time. Uh, because we kind of mimic what you have in North America, at least. So, not not that much right now, but we're we're looking into it. Um, I'm working with a global company right now, so so CBRS is kind of interesting, uh, more of five G, I would say, uh, and definitely LTE. Uh, so, so it's yeah. CBRS, you know, in, uh, same, same frequencies in Europe and America, Troy? And I assume Canada is the same, right? Canada, America, US are the same. Yes, yeah, so we're currently uh, evaluating it. So we have um, an organization called uh, ISED in Canada. Previously, it was Industry Canada, but it's the Industrial Scientific and Economic uh, Development Organization. Uh, but they've been going out to uh, industry, so there's uh, uh, corporations, uh, individuals that requested uh, feedback on, on what, uh, what they should do to use that band. Uh, they received the feedback and they've made some preliminary decisions. Uh, they were scheduled to go to auction later this year, uh, originally in, in December, but they've pushed that back six months. Uh, so we'll go to auction in June 15th of 2021 for the, uh, the 3500 megahertz, megahertz band. Uh, but my understanding is, is that we'll have slightly more spectrum available in Canada than what's available in the U.S. Uh, for what, uh, what they're looking at. Um, there's the trying, still trying to figure out, you know, how, how many blocks can be assigned to different, uh, different service providers. Um, how large of uh, a chunk of the spectrum they, they can own, um, as also uh, working on methods to mitigate any interference 
uh, from the incumbent uh, operators that exist, uh, you know, down south, right? So uh, a lot of the incumbents, you know, some uh, federal uh, WIS or particularly in the military. Uh, so the, the naval ships, when they pull up uh, to ports and dock, uh, they tend to transmit uh, uh, in this uh, frequency range. And so when they come in, uh, currently in the U.S., um, because they, they win the rights, everyone has to move to different channels, but they're no longer interfering with any of the incumbents. Uh, Canada will have to come up with a similar policy so they can avoid uh, interference. And I imagine that's the case the uh, rest of the world. I don't know, if you've uh, heard anything about uh, how that will have to be addressed in, in Europe. No, um, it's, it's, it's not there yet, uh, but there's uh, speculation on, on kind of utilizing 2.3 gig for for sea barriers um but but we're a bit behind right now uh, still can i take a moment to just say how wonderful tor's hat is troy that's a fantastic hat little fedora. <laughs> i'm jealous the, the, the red hat yeah is is it um a red hat or anything tall or is it just a red hat could be a, an I, illusion and I, I don't know it is a red hat all ah, right cool yeah yeah it is. It yeah. is the red, red yeah. hat. Yeah. Now I'm jealous, Troy. <laughs> it's actually my favorite color. So, perfectly fine. That's it. We'll work on our, our themed hats for the, the video portion of the, the podcast. Yeah, we have to do that. <laughs> we really have to. And I guess, yeah, I'm not getting a red hat there. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, like the CBRS, it's, uh, it's really interesting. It's in the sweet spot of the spectrum. Uh, where it gives you uh, the high high data rates, high transmission uh, throughputs, but also uh, combines that with uh, reasonable penetration through different uh, materials. Mm -hmm. so the higher the frequencies, uh, you can get higher data rates, uh, but uh, you basically you're locked into in-room uh, technology where you look at something like the um, the 60 gigahertz, right? It's, it's effectively an in-room technology unless you have very clean direct line of sight. Uh, but even at that, it's that's limited to you know sub-kilometer type, uh, you know, several hundred, uh, several hundred meters or so of range. But uh, one of the big advantages of CBRS uh, is, you know, it's their support LT and 5G, which gives us some uh, predictability and performance gains uh, compared to some of the other uh, wireless technologies uh, that are out there, um, namely Wi-Fi, which is, you know, contention-based uh, medium. Uh, you don't necessarily have the predict predictability and low latency in your communications, which you need for some some of the applications uh, that we're seeing come online that are leveraging the IoT devices that are out there. And so one of the differentiators uh, that we're seeing are the, the requirements that differentiate kind of the enterprise industrial IoT devices versus consumer uh, type IoT devices. And so maybe for, for a few moments here, let's take some time to talk about some of the different wireless technologies that are relevant to IoT in the consumer space. I, I know, Phil, you've been uh, working recently on playing with some of uh, the Hue, uh, the Philips Hue light bulbs. Mm. Uh, what are your experiences? Well, very simple, actually. It, it, it works. You get the Philips Hue hub. You get the Philips Hue devices. You turn them on, press a button on the Philips Hue hub, and... The app comes up and says, would you like me to add these devices? So very, very convenient. But like we said before, convenience doesn't always mean secure, right? Um, I've also got the Samsung SmartThings hub. Uh, the big difference with that is that the Philips Hue does, the Philips Hue hub does Zigbee, but the Philips Hue lights now are also Bluetooth compatible, they're Bluetooth BLE compatible. You can run them from the app directly with Bluetooth BLE 
instead of using the hub. The Samsung SmartThings hub also has inbuilt Z-Wave. And I don't think I'm being unfair. The, the Philips hub is awesome at doing the lights, but it re, the Philips Hue hub is really for control of your lights. And you can do some wonderful things with it. You can change the colors and things and change the hue, the intensity, the luminosity, all sorts of things. But with the SmartThings hub, you can add temperature control, you can add a fridge, you can add a cooker, you can add power sockets, and it supports both Zigbee and Z-Wave. What I'm finding though is Z-Wave did Z-Wave Plus back in 2013-ish, which is longer range, better functionality, more memory, and so on and so forth. But what a lot of people don't register with Z-Wave is there was a hack against Z-Wave devices, a botnet attack back in 2016-ish. And after that, Z-Wave came out with a much more secure uh, protocol, the S2 protocol. And when you buy things for your smart things, if it doesn't say explicitly, hey, it does S2, it probably doesn't, which means that even though it's a Z-Wave Plus, it hasn't got the newest security. And in fact, when you add it, to your SmartThings hub. The hub comes up, the, the app says to you, warning, this device is not using the latest security updates. So it does warn you about that. I've now gone hey, looking so Phil, Go ahead. Sorry, can I just interrupt you there? Uh, is, is there a, a, a certification body then that uh, overlooks uh, over the stuff? Because you mentioned you know, S2 and the, the, the yeah. Z-Wave or Z-Wave. Sorry, we see, we see our Zs in, in Canada. See, we, we aren't going to agree on that, are we, Troy? And I'm British as well, <laughs> so I really should be going for Z-Wave, so, uh, yeah. But, but sorry, like on the outside of the box, will there be something that, how do we know that has an S2? Oh, it'll, it'll say on it, it'll say Z-Wave uh, Z or Z-Wave Plus. Um, I have not yet, my, my S2 device that I just bought on Amazon, because it says it was S2, has not yet come, so I'm waiting for that box to come, so we can see what's written on the box but the Z-Wave stuff doesn't say S2 on the side of the box. And one thing a lot of people may not realize is Zigbee is an open protocol, but Z-Wave is not. It's owned by a company. And so they are responsible for doing the certification and they guarantee certification and functionality, very similar to the Wi-Fi Alliance do in the wireless world. Word of warning to a lot of people, if you go buying this stuff online, if it says no hub needed, that either means it's configurable from an app with Bluetooth or BLE, or it means that it's just using good old fashioned Wi-Fi. So a lot of people want to do home automation and they don't want to buy a hub. Uh, so they're like, oh, let's buy this one. It doesn't need a hub. That, that, that doesn't mean it's using Zigbee or Z-Wave or Z-Wave. It means it's probably running over good old fashioned 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi. And so you have an app on 2.4 gigahertz with a device that's on 2.4 gigahertz, which although it's a valid home system, it's really just like G or N or B or something functionality with an app. And uh, I, I got given for a birthday present by the family. I always wanted a, a drone and I got given a drone. It must've been about five years ago. I think it was my 50th birthday present. Uh, show my age now. Um, Phil, you don't look old. a day over 42. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Oh, I get it. 42, right? Yeah, nice. Uh, and the drone 
is a wonderful device. I control it with my iPad, but the drone operability is, and it's an expensive drone, high resolution camera, wonderful piece of equipment. It creates an open SSID that my iPad connects to. The end. That's it. That's the security level of this device operating in 2.4 gigahertz. So what it means is yes, anybody who has or sees the drone fly in can go and get the application because it's a well-known drone and you download the application and you just say, I want to connect to this device and it boots me off and you take over control of my drone. Make it fly off into the distance as it were. And this is not a cheap drone. Uh, I don't actually know how drones have uh, performed since because I'm actually too scared to take it out and fly it, right? In case someone steals it. But um, I'm assuming, I'm hoping, if anybody knows, if they've gotten better, you know, uh, appreciate key would have been like a huge help. But nope, not even that. Wow, especially, yeah, no security at all. You said it was uh, BGN? Uh, no, what I'm saying is it's... I can't remember if it does five gigahertz or not. I can't remember what I actually said was when you go online and you buy, you go and buy home automation stuff. Home automation is a huge thing. If you do home automation, you get bombarded with lots and lots of products. Uh, if you go on online and look for home automation and you look for wall socket or you look for temperature, thermometer, anything, if it comes up in, and it says no hub needed, odds are it's 2.4 gigahertz. And you have an app, the app and the device connects to your pre-shared key and it connects via 2.4 gigahertz. If it says no hub needed, a lot of people think that's a great benefit because I can easily and simply add it to my home. And the hacker, Mr. Nasty, um, threat actor or hacker that's coming by can also easily add it to his device as well. If it's easy, it's easy for you to add. It's also easy for other people to add, remember. So uh, a lot of the industry is now moving to QR codes or something similar or a pairing method where you have to actually press a button to make it go into pairing mode. So you go to the app, press, press a button on the app, press a button on the device or power on the device at a set time. And then the app, via the hub will find it. Or of course you've got QR codes and, and such things. The, the industry is becoming more secure, but there's a lot of stuff out there that is not secure. What about, uh, what about you Tor? Have you uh, been playing around with uh, any lights or? Yeah, I have the, the Philips Hue in my, my home. Um, I'm not using a kind of a advanced uh, approach like you're doing Phil. I'm, I'm actually using my home kit uh apple home kit um all right and that works works perfectly uh, i also have my blinders uh controlled by that um i'm i'm using ikea uh blinders uh and controlling those uh with my my app i i would actually uh consider using the 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 the, the samsung uh what do you call it, Phil? Smart? Smart things. Smart things, yeah. Because it actually supports uh, both uh, Setwave and uh, Zigbee. Um, and then I might actually play around with my, my central heating because I'm using Danfoss. I'm uh, living in Denmark and uh, it's kind of a Danish company. Um, 
so I have my 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 heating uh, controlled uh, with uh, basically set wave uh, system there, but I'm using a specific app for that on my phone. So but it's it's neat to have it integrated into the same system. Can I can I ask you to do you not have the Philips Hue Hub then? I have the hub. Okay. But I have the hub, uh, but I, the, the devices I have also support, as you said, uh, direct Bluetooth con uh, communication. Uh, I, I want to add. I want to add one thing from what Tor said. Uh, some of the devices say that they are. So there's Apple Home, and there's also so Apple's the Siri, then there's the Google, and there's the Amazon. Yes. Hubs as well. Now, some of the Amazon hubs and the Siri hubs, they actually have Zigbee built in. So they are actually Zigbee devices. So if you see no hub needed compatible with Apple or Apple Home, just do some research because they, they usually say in like the third bullet point, you need a hub or you need Amazon or you need Google or you need Siri or a Siri hub. If it says that, then obviously it's Zigbee or Bluetooth or something, but it's working with them. And I haven't done much research into all of those because uh, I'm, I'm not really excited by the, hey Siri, turn my lights on or hey Siri, turn my lights off. Cause you know, you press a button to do that. And uh, no, 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 I totally disagree. <laughs> I really oh, like, yes. hey Siri, I'm sitting here with my whiskey and uh, I would like some more light, uh, probably red light. So yeah, sorry. Well, I'm I'm just I'm just waiting for. Hey Siri, can you turn the lights down? Message understood. Nuclear reactor about to explode. No, 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 Siri. No, it, it, you know, the, the, there's a famous episode of um, Mr. Robot, where there's a lady who has Google it. Google Mr. Robot, home automation attack. And it shows what can go wrong when the threat actors take over your home automation and they turn in the volume on your TV up and down and your lights are flickering and your air conditioning is on. It says that it's at 72, but it's obviously still trying to cool down the room to like 46 or something. They... Oh, that's your comfort temperature, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, the beauty of the smart things have if you buy the smart things have on the smart things app you can download other apps to your smart things app it sounds weird but you can download other apps that integrate with it so you can then do it's the industry called it ifttt if this then that so if my um movement sensor goes off or if, if my front door opens and my movement sensor goes off it uh, goes to the it detects movement turn the lights on, okay? When you stop detecting movement in the living room, after 30 minutes, turn the lights off. So it's if condition, then result. And it's an entire industry been built on this concept where you say, if the sensor does this action, then you do this action. And there's loads of apps being built. So you can build this for home now without having to resort to MQTT programming and, and such complex things, which is beyond uh, most people that want a nice, simple, you know, Phil, all I want it is I want it to be able to turn the light on when I walk into the room 
and I want it to be able to put the coffee maker on at six o'clock in the morning so I can get up and have a cup, a cup of coffee. That's nice and functional, nice and simple. And you can, you can get applications and scripts that do that for you. What I would like to have is face recognition. So my system being able to, to recognize that, that I'm looking really tired and then brew me a cup of coffee. Now that would be awesome. Oh no, I'm, I'm, now I'm getting scared. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned there's a lot of uh, choices out there for uh, different applications and apps we can run on our mobile devices to control these systems. Um, and we also have the, the, the choice, I guess, between uh, Zigbee and uh, Z-Wave. Uh, can, you, can you break down what's the difference between Zigbee and Z-Wave and why, why someone would choose one protocol over the other? The thing about Zigbee is it operates in two frequencies. But most so it is a sub one gigahertz protocol, but most commonly what you see it do is operate on in 2.4 gigahertz. Um, so whilst Zigbee can operate below one gigahertz, most implementations that I've come across have been in the, the ISM 2.4 gigahertz frequency range. Um, that of course means it's going to interfere with and be interfered by your Wi-Fi. So. We all know 2.4 gigahertz is not a great place to be for Wi-Fi in 2.4 because all the problems we have with it. You turn the microwave oven on and, you know, your nuclear reactor starts shutting down or something. I'm being sarcastic, but, but that's the reality. Uh, I remember being told a story by a guy a long time ago when cell phones first came out because they were sitting down. Imagine Homer Simpson sat in the control room of the nuclear power plant and uh, they're all sitting there, sipping their coffee, watching everything's rosy somebody walks past the control room on a cell phone and beep, the rods start rising. Now, the rods start rising is, is a very bad thing, if you know anything about nuclear reactors. Uh, and he says, look, we can't prove that it was the cell phone that did it, but it's never happened ever before. Okay, so, so what they did was they banned cell phones. So you've got to have it so that the functionality of the system is available and always on. Hey, Siri, can you turn the lights on? Siri, can you turn the lights on? Siri, can you turn the lights on? What's the point of having a system if it doesn't work? So Z-Wave has got longer range and it also um, operates below one gigahertz in its own frequency range. So it's not going to be interrupted by microwave ovens and your, your kids playing with the PlayStation or whatever. Uh, Z-Wave basically is longer range. Zigbee. When you say longer range, can, can you put some context behind that? Oh, I have to look up the numbers. Yeah, but... Um, you so are should, we talking like hundreds of meters or kilometers or no i'm talking like feet so Sorry, so what? you have to remember that that both zig yeah and didn't get that metric so both, please i'm sorry did, did, did you say metric <laughs> what is that oh did i swear i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> so so um we're talking like uh like you said you know uh we're talking meters and, and yards, because that, that's fairly similar, let's keep them the same. So Quick remember note. that both systems are mesh-based. So ish, and it, it, be careful with Zigbee, because Zigbee, Zigbee is not a true mesh like everything else is. Zigbee has three functionalities. There's the coordinator, the routers, and then there's the endpoints. And endpoints do not mesh. Endpoints connect to routers that can build a mesh. A Z-Wave can mesh as well, but there's, a, there's limitations of hops and apologies. I'm going to have to dig out my, um, the blog that I wrote a week ago with all the numbers in. 
Uh, I don't keep this stuff in my head, right? But um, were you talking that Zigbee can, Zigbee, or Z-Wave, sorry, Z-Wave can maybe go twice the distance of Zigbee? They both okay. low low speed protocols. But if you're in a warehouse environment, you may find Z-Wave gives you better coverage than Zigbee does in an open warehouse or in a mine or something like that. But one point I want to mention here as well is we talk a lot about our SmartThings hub and our Philips Hill hub. Please understand that there is, a, there is uh, and we spoke about this um, offline, I think, Tor, you might want to jump in with your opinion as well. There is a difference between the smart home and the industrial IoT. The, the protocols, uh, Tor, you made a great point about the same protocols, but then we said that the applications are different, right? Yeah, and uh, we, we see that we, we still use SIG, SIGBee uh, as the, the underlying protocol, so to say. We also see some proprietary uh, solutions uh, utilizing Bluetooth uh, uh, kind of protocols. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, we, we see systems that, that where we have endpoints, uh, routing devices, uh, base station uh, solutions. Um, and and one of the things that I'm working with right now is uh, in in the the shipping industry. Well, actually trying to to track uh, contain, containers uh, and uh, monitor the temperature inside the container and other things, humidity, things like that. Um, being able to tell where the container is in the world uh, to customers, uh, and there we actually use these uh, kind of small beacon devices. Um, and they they're custom made uh, because they have to to survive uh, out in open sea uh, on a uh, big container vessel. Uh, so yes, um, but but we still see SIG uh, be some as one of the, the the protocols, and then we also see uh, more uh, robust uh, industrial uh, uh, applications there. If I can just jump in a minute and mention that you mentioned proprietary. Uh, Zigbee is an absolute classic here. When you start studying Zigbee, you buy a book on it or you start looking online for information on it and they tell you to go and buy some XB devices um, and you download them. It's important to understand that the XB device, it can do Zigbee or it can do, I forgot the other name, is it Digi? DigiB? There is a company that has, that produces the XB modules, and it's got a proprietary Zigbee type functionality that is a full mesh. It's not Zigbee, and it will not interoperate with Zigbee. So you might buy like a Raspberry Pi, two XB devices, and it's not talking to your third Zigbee device, and you don't know why, and you discover that you've actually built an XB network, not a not a, a Zigbee network. Because uh, it's because it's a proprietary version. Um, there is a I'll look it up now um, in a minute. But um, there's a, a website that tells you why it's better than Zigbee. And so what I found in my experience is is people don't buy Zigbee or Z-Wave or Z-Wave whatever. And if it's Z-Wave, no. should it be Zigbee, guys? Just saying. Um, Only when you call it the <laughs> silence makes that a no, I suppose. Right. I'm having way too much fun. But um, it's hard what I find is... Go ahead, sorry. It's the hard and soft as Ed. <laughs> the hard and soft as Ed. 
so what I found is that in, in industrial, they tend to buy solutions that run over a protocol, not pick a protocol that has a solution. Tor, working yeah. with oil companies, would you agree with that? Um, totally. It's, it's the solution, it's the application that has to work. It doesn't really matter what's behind it. There, there's some security consideration, for sure, there are. Um, but as long as they are met, um, it, it's, it's more important that we have the right functionality to right yeah. price. I, I just Googled it. It's DigiMesh. I don't know how I could forget it. But um, when you buy the XB devices, they can be configured to run Zigbee or they can be configured to run DigiMesh, which is a proprietary protocol similar to Zigbee um, created by the Digi Corporation. I think it's that simple. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, if you go to their website, it, it'll, it, there's an article that says, this is why you should use DigiMesh over and above Zigbee. And it explains how it, what they've done basically is they, they've taken Zigbee and they've said, yeah, turn that off, turn that off, turn that off, turn this on, and here we go. Now they're a large company and so they have the weight to be able to do that, but you know, DigiMesh is not an open standard like Zigbee is. But then again, Z-Wave is also not an open standard. It is also a proprietary standard owned by a company. Yeah, so there, there are different challenges between the, the across the industrial and the consumer space. On the industrial side of things in manufacturing or some sort of a batch or continuous uh, process, uh, there's a high requirement for uh, low latency and guaranteed delivery. Uh, so whether you're gathering sensor information or you're sending commands or instructions, uh, to change uh, components or settings within that process. And so the different protocols uh, play to those different uh, different strengths, right? So one of the, uh, that, I, that I find common uh, protocols used in the industrial space. So in the, the you know, verticals, such as oil and gas, uh, chemical manufacturing, uh, refinery, mining, um, pulp and paper industries is the, the leverage protocols like wireless heart or the ISA 100 um, protocol. Now, the, these are uh, protocols based on 802.15, uh, uh, but they've been modified. Uh, so they behave slightly different than the, you know, the protocols we've talked about, the Zigbee and the Z-Wave. Uh, Wireless Heart, for example, it uh, hops across the 2.4 band, right? So it, um, it doesn't uh, lock onto one channel and then continuously operate on that channel. On a per-frame basis, it's hopping across different channels. And it's doing that to try to avoid any of that interference that uh, pops up. So you'd mentioned, you know, microwaves uh, can, are a source of interference on the 2.4 band. Um, other wireless protocols like uh, Wi-Fi uh, can be there. But by hopping across the, the, the band, um, it gives some resilience uh, to that uh, type of interference. Um, it's also uh, very scheduled uh, transmissions, right? So there's a, a, a network manager that exists on a gateway device in the wireless heart world. That network manager builds a tree for all the nodes that are connected to that gateway device. And it schedules when devices will transmit um, and also when they'll receive from their downstream devices. So meshing's an inherent uh, capability within the, the, the wireless heart protocol. And so devices that are part of that mesh need to know when, when they need to receive to, to hear frames that are coming from a downstream neighbor and what channel they need to be listening on to receive that communication. And because of that, uh, they, they tend to operate and meet the requirements necessary for the industrial space. But it is certainly different between the both consumer and the industrial space. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, I just looked it up and um, Z-Wave was owned by Sigma Designs. And they, they are now owned by Silicon Labs. 
but they were invented tor by a Danish company called Zensis. There you go. Another Danish export. Now, see there? Bluetooth <laughs> is actually also originating by name. It's all up in Scandinavia, man, right? It does. So is Denmark part of Scandinavia? A bit of geography lesson for our, our listeners? Oh, yes, it is. It is, actually. So Scandinavia it's, it's, is made up of which country, sorry? Um, it's Denmark, Sweden, Norway, it's Finland, and it's uh, also Iceland. And right. um, from where I'm, at, I'm coming, is uh, that's the Faroe Islands. That's a part of the, the Danish kingdom. Um, so that's also part of the Scandinavian. But seriously, they invented Bluetooth and they also invented the um, father of Zigbee. The name is actually coming from... Sorry, Z-Wave, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Interesting. And of course, we all know that Bluetooth is named after the famous king who united the clans. Is that right? The Vikings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, do you know, um, I learned this the other day, that the Bluetooth insignia is actually made up of his name in no. Danish runes? Oh, no. There you go. You learn something new every yeah. day. It, it really That's is. Fantastic. So awesome. Insignia, yeah. Yeah. His name. Was it, what was his name? Herodotus. Blood 10. Yes. That's Blue Danish, yeah. right? Yeah. Bluetooth. Yeah. So, blow, that's blue. Ten, tooth. Blood Yeah. Now you just have to say it in Danish, and we have to spread it out in the world. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> Our listeners are learning so much, Troy, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and I need to say this. Uh, speaking about the metric system, right? We have the metric system in Canada, right? Yeah. We have the metric system in Europe, really. Australia, pretty much all the world, right? Except the US, right? But the US had a man on the moon. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> yeah. I like to joke around, there's two types of countries in the world. There's countries that use metric and there's countries that have landed a person on the moon. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there a story where Europe and the USA worked together on a project and nobody actually, I, I don't know if it's a great story, but never let the truth spoil a great story, right? But they worked on a project apparently and Europe was working to metric measurements and America was working to imperial measurements. And so when they came together to, to build the thing, it was some kind of like telescope or something. It didn't fit because Europe was working on centimeters and America was working on inches. Now it's too good a story to not be true, right? But you never know. Wouldn't Nobody actually uh, find and yeah. said, let's do this. They just assumed that the, each other was working on their units. There's a famous plane in Canada called the Gimli Glider. They, uh, they received the order to fill up fuel uh, in gallons, but they filled it up in liters. So mid-flight, it ran out of fuel, and it literally it ran out of fuel in the air, Damn. and it glided down to an abandoned uh, military base in the middle of Canada. Uh, in, in Gimli, there was a military base, so they called it the Gimli Glider because it glided down and landed on this military <laughs> air force base. But that was miscommunication between gallons and liters. Yeah, that that could be a bit of a oops. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and 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 these two countries, these two regions, want to send us into space, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, good vacation. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll do on that note. Do we want to wrap up this uh, podcast for uh, for this week? I think uh, we've covered a lot there. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, cool. I'm Troy Martin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Troy Mart, uh, the handle Troy Mart, and uh, our co-host uh, Phil Morgan. How can uh, people reach out and get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter at, at CCIE5224. It's me. All right, and cool. Thanks, Phil. And Tor Olson, how can uh, people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at Twitter um, at the handle at 2RN1. So it's 2 Romeo November and the number one. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Thanks, guys. See you next time. See you. See you guys.